Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Man Report's Weekend Review Show. I'm your host Ali and joining me as always to go over the weekend's games, we have Dave and Simon. How are we chaps? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Yes, all the better for not having played for three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, rather than getting into how we feel about our team's games, I, I guess we'll just go straight into it, since the two of you started off the weekend with a, uh, I would say a bang, but more of a, a firecracker. Give it the name, come on, we talked about this pre-pod. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do it. I just... L review a cool. So, um, which one of you is what? I tell you what, Dave, you kick off. I mean, Simon's Simon's had to to do his medicine via the Villa podcast. So, I mean, give us your thoughts on the game first. Uh, well, there's an awful lot of a lot of nothing, wasn't there? Like there was very little quality in the game. Um, we. Huffed and puffed a bit and made well, Joe Linton made Tyrone Minks look like a, a championship defender, but like didn't really need to tackle him. Like he may as well just left him to do his own thing because he seemingly can't shoot or pass. So um, we, we got, I think it's probably fair to say we got ourselves in, in the better positions, but didn't really make a scoring chance somehow, despite say like Joe Linton effectively being one on one and not, not really doing anything. Um, Villa missed Grealish, I think it's fair to say, and obviously Traore going off helped us a great deal as well because he was. He was a he's always a worry with his with his pace down that down that flank, but didn't really kick him alive until the last ten minutes when uh, when we brought on Jacob Murphy, which I think I called for last week, where we're shown of three of our best attacking players, uh, and somehow Murphy's having to watch various idiots not produce anything in front of him, and then he comes on and he in the ten minutes he was on he, he hit the bar, which which was a nice bit of play to cut inside two defenders hit the bar. And he put in two or three good crosses, which caused saves and ultimately the equaliser in injury time. Um, I think the Villa goal was was, was fortunate. You didn't. It was a, a hopeful ball slung in there. The header was going nowhere near the goal. It deflects in. The type of thing that happens to teams who are in our position, unfortunately. Um, and on the equaliser, what hasn't really been picked up is how good did Andy Carroll do to do that slide tackle on Watkins to win the ball back? Um, he uses the old ladder leg to kind of. <laughs> Stretch where he shouldn't have done and, and won the ball back, and that ultimately led to the last attack. But to be 1 0 down with 20 seconds to go, I'm, I'm relieved to get a point. But we need wins, not draws, so it's a, a bit of a, a bit of a neutral one for me, really. And is it brightening up next for yourselves, isn't it? Yeah, brightening it on uh, I think it's Saturday night. Um, it's a huge game, which I'm almost certain we will play for a draw in. And, uh, then he'll try and get the, the players back fit for after the national break. Yeah, I mean, after the international break, when it becomes crucial for years, but you really can't afford to lose. Well, really to well we can't, but the problem is we're running out of winnable games. I mean, after the national break, our first game is Tottenham, to give you some indication of where we're heading here. So, oh. it's, uh, it's could, these injuries couldn't have come at a worse time because we've played three teams who I mean, we could have got wins against. Um, Wolves are nothing special. Villa a bang average without Grealish in my opinion and um, obviously West Brom last weekend was there for the taking and obviously we didn't take it so 
we've got we haven't lost any of the games, which is a small comfort. But I say at this point in time, we we need wins, and I think Bruce is just keen on matching Fulham, which is going to come back to bite us because a lot of the teams down there seem capable of beating teams who they maybe wouldn't expect them to. But they're all picking up random wins here and there, and we just aren't. Yeah, it's draws seem to be what kill you in the Premier League. Um, Simon, for yourself, I mean, much to add on what Dave said, or you are you in agreement? Uh, yeah, I think he sums it up pretty well, to be honest. Um, we were just, it was really, really poor from our point of view. Um, obviously, not having Grealish, it's a massive effect on us. Um, I think Troyore going off really hampered us as well. Because, I mean, we weren't, you know, we didn't do anything great. But I thought in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, we had a lot more of the ball in their half. We weren't really creating anything. But... That's like, like we did have quite a bit of the ball when he went off. Like any vague hint of a threat that we had just completely went. Um, we didn't. Des- I think we probably just deserved the draw from it. Newcastle didn't. Re- apart from when Murphy hit the bar, I don't think they really did an awful lot. Despite Joel Linton being given plenty of opportunities to have a, a chance of doing something, and he just. I've never seen a striker so reluctant to have a shot. Um, having got ourselves one nil up, there's no way we should have thrown it away. I mean, we had two counter attacks where we out where we outnumbered them in those last few minutes and managed to completely balls both of them up. I think the second one especially, I think it was like a four on two, and you just think just be sensible with it. You know, pick the right pass. Don't pass it to Watkins, who's clearly two or three yards offside. <laughs> but <laughs> But that, that's the option we chose. Um, and in the goal that we gave away, I think when Carroll won the ball back just before that, El Ghazi had the ball. And instead of just driving forward with it, trying to get the ball up the pitch, he tried to do some fancy round-the-corner pass to Watkins. He then lost it. And then even then, the cross went in, was overhit, goes out to Murphy and McGinn. He's got to be sprinting out. I know it's the 94th minute, he's probably tired, but you can't jog out to that. Uh, so, yeah, d- disappointing, really. It just sort of, my worry is that the se- that we're just going to fizzle out, having had you know, such a, a good season. And it still will be a good season, really, whatever happens. But it's just a shame that it, I, I think the lack of real quality in the depth of our squad is, is sort of coming back to bite us. Watkins looked absolutely knackered and I mean we've gone into a second Premier League season with only one striker available can you, can we, can we, we've got Keane Davis but there's no point playing him so Watkins had to play every minute of every game and he's, he's just looking knackered now and yeah it's really poor game to be honest annoying way to spend a Friday evening <laughs> Well, I will say, Sai, is that um, I was very, very impressed with uh, with Konza at the back for you. Um, and as I think we said last week, Mings, I, I, I've never really rated Tyrone Mings that much, but I think because he plays for England, people think, ah, oh, you know, he's the man back there. But to me, Konza uh, was a man mountain. Konza has been outstanding this season. I think, I think Mings gets um, probably criticised more than, than he should do. I, I I think he's a very good defender. He didn't have a great game, admittedly, on Friday. Um, he's he's sort of, Greedish is our captain, but Mings is our vocal lead on the pitch, especially this season. Sort of, I tend to watch it with no 
uh, fake crowd noise. And all you can hear is just him talking 90 minutes, organising everything. And I think he's played a big part in Conza's development, but Conza's our best centre-half. And I personally, and I know this is going to come with accusations of bias, but I think behind Stones, he's probably been the best English centre-half in the league this season. I honestly think he's a really, really top, top player. Uh, I'm not sure that's a compliment, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think of anyone better. I mean, I think Harry Maguire gets a lot of unfair criticism because of his price tag. I think he's been better since the first few months of the season, um, where he was, by probably his own admission, a bit of a train wreck, but he's you know steadily got quite, quite good throughout the season. But um, no, I think on, on balance, Cons has been... Certainly in the top three or four, without being over overcommitted to how, how good he's been. Um, he just doesn't seem to do anything wrong, and he's got everything he wanted in the centre back. Yeah, and I mean, the amount of clean sheets we've had, obviously, Martinez has played a big part, and there's been certain games where he's produced some outstanding saves. But you don't, you can't just have a good keeper and have that many clean sheets. You've got to have a good defence, and the back four, you know, uh, Cash, Conza, Mings, and Target have been. They played the majority of games and they they've just been a really solid unit. But Cons has been the standout, definitely. And you've got Spurs next Sunday, is that right, Simon? We do, yeah. Which weirdly, despite some of the results in the last few weeks, I can see us getting a result there because we, for as long as I've watched Villa, we tend to raise or lower our performance depending on the standard of opposition. That we play, if we play poor teams, we tend to play poor against the bigger teams. We put in good performances. We don't always win them, but we, we, we do tend to play well against the better teams. So I could see us getting a result there, to be fair. Well, that's a, that's a big statement there. I mean, currently ninth in the league, uh, level on points for Arsenal, games at hand against them, obviously. Um, yeah. It, it, all, it all depends on if, if Greenish is back for it, which we've been told he's meant to be, but we've heard that for the last few weeks and he hasn't appeared. If, if he's back, we're, we're just a completely different team. Yeah, my, my biggest concern isn't isn't that Grealish isn't playing. As, as I said to you last week, Simon, when we discussed the Grealish, I'm in no way saying that Arsenal Villa are a, are a one-man team, but I feel they just don't change the style of play. They expect whoever replaces Grealish to do the same job. And yeah. They can't. I mean, it's clear. Nobody can do that. Yeah, and I think you tweeted a couple of weeks ago about Watkins misses when Grealish plays as well. You know, yeah, so as I well as being tired, he doesn't have the same. I think that's something that Smith will have to look at. Um, I think no matter what happens, as you say, he's had a very good season. He did very well um, staying up last year, and then the season he's had this year. He has spent a fair bit of money, which is quite disappointing that the squad's depth isn't as good, but. With the money that's in the Premier League, I think, you know, if you can have a, a semi-decent summer this year, just yeah. the squad options, well, just, uh, it'll just give you that more platform to keep building on. Just on, on that point, I'd say that last season, the, when we first came up, um, we had a lot of players that, were, that then went out of contracts and went back on loan. So at that stage, I think we only had about nine players in the squad so we we basically had to sign yeah like 13 players to to build the squads which we spent a lot of money doing it but i think it averaged out at like 11 million pounds per player 
which is nothing in the Premier League, really. It was only last summer then when we didn't have to just build, get bodies in for the sake of it. We could actually go and get people to improve the team, which is what we did. And hopefully we will go ahead and, and do the same sort of thing this summer. Yeah, I think for, for for fans like yourself, I think that the the key thing will be holding on to the players like Conza, um, Grealish. Uh, depending on what you want to do with Barkley, I know you're not overly keen. Um, mm. But just those those level of players, I mean, you need to keep almost keep them around the squad as well, so you can build on and encourage more players to come in. So I think it will be a big summer, even holding on to players. As well, um, and obviously your youth academy is is highly fought out of throughout the league as well. So um, I can see a few vultures flying around you. Um, and Dave, yeah, I mean, it is the almost the cliche six pointer next weekend. Um, it is. No, I mean, it's, I kind of tell you how big a game it is, and I just wish we had our just one. Well, well, arguably our four best players are out at the minute. When you think Almiron, St. Maximin, Wilson. But also share at the back, like, I think it's... Oh, yeah. yeah. forgotten about how much he brings to our team in terms of being able to carry the ball out from the back because the Cells and Clark are very good at heading and defending the six-yard box and probably would want them against the likes of West Brom, but um, against a more cultured team like Brighton, having someone who can who can step out with the ball can make all the difference. So um, uh, we do miss him in certain games, um, but it is what it is. So we'll just have to see how we'll go, but... Uh, reluctantly would take a point now because I think if, if you lose that it means you've got two weeks to stew on it as well over the national break and it, it could get even uglier than it already is yeah I mean yeah, you'd obviously prefer the win but if you're, if you're asking for a point or no points um, I think it's a, it's a no brainer as you say, you've said all along you just don't want to play for the point you know you'd rather at least make a, make a go of it I think against well, teams like like Brighton. I mean, all right, they're in and around us. You never really want to set up for a point against them, do you? Like it's. As I said this before. Like who who can you expect to beat if you're not set up to to beat teams in the in the bottom five? But it's just we've got an idiot in charge. Like I can't tell you how much I hate them already. <laughs> Like we're talking. It's, it, it, it's okay. It, we we have. It it took maybe three years to get this level of hate at Wapadu. Like Bruce has done it in, in quick time. To be fair, to him. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know what? It, it's rubbing off because I almost hate the Black Warrior, and I have no <laughs> personal connection to him. But it's getting that way. Um, yeah. So it wasn't the, the most exciting way to start the Premier League, and then the Saturday <laughs> early kick off. Um, which we all assumed would be quite fun. But Leeds are turning out to be not so fun anymore. Um, and then this was 0-0. Leeds 0-Chelsea 0. Um, Simon, I mean, thoughts on this? And did we really see this result coming? Uh, no, I, I didn't see it finishing 0-0. And the sort of first 10, 15 minutes or so, I thought it was, you know, it was quite a decent game. You thought this could be uh, a typically fun Leeds United performance to watch really but sort of after that nothing really happened I mean <laughs> there was a few sort of chances in the first half but second half to be honest I don't really remember an awful lot from it um, just sort of petered out into a bit of nothing really Chelsea sort of controlled possession of the ball quite well like you'd expect them to do 
But again, I, maybe maybe my mind's just gone completely blank because after that Newcastle Villa game, I, I've just sort of gone into a bit of haze with football this weekend. But um, I really don't remember. I don't remember an awful lot from it, and sort of it's a bit disappointed with Chelsea really because, as I say, they sort of control possession of the ball quite well, but they never really looked to try and kill the game off um, that effectively. So. Yeah, it's a disappointing game in the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, no Timo Werner in the starting team, Dave. Um, Chelsea couldn't score a goal and they didn't bring on Giroud, which is it's a bit surprising. And then what doesn't help for, for Leeds is they're really their only attacking goal for it. I assume went off with an injury that says Bamford went off in the 35th minute. So, he did, yeah. Um, I mean, what do you make of the Chelsea, Chelsea line-up and subs and then... I mean, we spoke about Bamford quite a lot, that he is literally leads his only goal for it. Yeah, well, I think, I seem to think that Tuchel would pick this team with uh, the Champions League in mind. They've got Atletico Madrid. And, uh, I, know got a, I don't really get it, to be honest. I think with the strength and depth he's got, I don't really see why he's got to prioritise one over another. Um, but... It is what it is, and, and as you said, Sai says that the game started off really well. It was good end-to-end play, and it was obviously that carnage when they smashed the ball off each other on the crossbar, and you thought, you know, this might be a, a really fun afternoon, but it just sort of degenerated as, as the pitch did, which is probably not a coincidence. But um, And then obviously Bamford going off, and I think Ross's mate Rodrigo came on, who I think Ross said was a massive waste of money, so that tells you what he thinks of him. <laughs> he was quite an expensive signing, wasn't he? Well, it goes uh, kind of doesn't doesn't fit in with the rest of the Leeds team, and that they've all, you know, kind of got something to prove. Whereas he's been there and done it a bit, which maybe doesn't doesn't lend himself to the you know the culture of the place so well. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Leeds would be delighted with a point against a team who are in great form, haven't lost under under two I don't have they? No, they've not. No. No. So I think Leeds would be quite happy. I expect Chelsea to do more to try and win the game, but. They've had such a good run. We're all kind of just expecting to finish in the top four now, don't we? But I suppose the result that happened at White Hart, at, um, at the Emirates on Sunday meant it was a really good weekend for Chelsea, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we said last week that I, I believe they could have finished second, but I do think dropping points there. I mean, it's still possible, but uh, I think massive wins for Leicester and, and United um, over the weekend is just. Still striving. I mean, down to nine games to go. They're, they're five points behind Leicester, six points behind Manchester United. Over the nine games, still in the Champions League. Are Chelsea still in the FA Cup as well? Oh, probably. They, they, they get drawn yeah. against like Gillingham. No, oh, that's Man yeah. City. You're getting <laughs> you're Gillingham. Gillingham, FC Titwank, Scotland under fives, and then uh, the quarterfinals. Like, yeah, that's still a harder draw than Man City have had in eight seasons. Uh, I'd, I'd, <laughs> honestly, like, if you look back through, well, I say if you look back, my mate did look back through Chelsea's cup draws, and it's it's sickening how uh, how many easy ties they've had. Like, we've had Arsenal more times in the third round than they've had Premier League clubs. It's uh, <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Yeah, I, I very rarely do I remember Liverpool getting a third round easy tie. We've occasionally got past the Premier League team and then got a like a lower league team. It's just 
Just nonsense. Um, I mean, I think we'll just move on from the nil-nil game. I mean, <laughs> not that the next game's much more <laughs> appetised to talk about. But uh, Crystal Palace won West Brom nil. Uh, Crystal Palace have just done it again, haven't they? They just they've got that. I think they're on thirty-seven points now. Um, obviously, three short of the magical forty. Roy Hodgson sitting eleventh in the league. Got his points total. Been dreadful for for months, but they just they get the points again, Dave. They just they're in their usual place. They just beat the teams they expect to beat, don't they? And that's yeah. that's all they do. Like it's um, I'm kind of jealous of them in a way, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> At least they get the points. Um, West Brom, West Brom really have to have to win this, I think, to have any chance of getting out. And uh, they didn't really even come close. Um, Palace got the goal from a pen, which hasn't happened for a while, but it was a stick-on handball. It was, I don't know what Furlong was doing. Um, but yeah, it's just your, your standard Crystal Palace performance and win, isn't it? It's like you don't really know how they did it. They didn't have to do an awful lot to get it, but they did it, and that's that. No talking points. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Simon in full agreement. Yeah, I mean the only West Brom, I think they had one shot on target. That that pretty much sums it up for them for the whole season, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, <laughs> next game up, we got some goals. Um, and Sir Deitch, um, as we, we, we won't call him on this podcast from now on. Um, Everton won, Burnley 2. Um, I mean, the only thing I've seen in this game that's a massive talking point, obviously, is that wonderful goal from Dwight McNeil um, to make it 2-0 at the time. Uh, Simon, thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, well, that goal, as you say, unbelievable finish, uh, to be fair. I mean, even the turn to sort of send Alan completely the wrong way was beautiful, and then uh, just get it right in that top corner was great. I was going to say I didn't see this result coming, but I, I kind of did, because Everton, they are so weird. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as, as they've, they've had so many good performances this season, but... Their ability to just Everton it so spectacularly time and time again is is unbelievable. I mean, you look at some of the the home games they've lost and compare that with with some of the other results they've had, and it just doesn't make any sense. Um, Burnley, to be fair, played quite well. Um, obviously, they still. You know, on occasions did what you'd expect them to do, just sort of get it long to the big guys. But especially in the first half, they actually played quite decent football at times as well. And I think they, they I think they could have gone three 0 up. I think at two, I don't know if it was two 0 or two one at this stage, but they hit the post as well with another long range effort. Um, and even in the second half, you, you kind of you expected Everton to really sort of go at it, but. They just didn't at all. And you'd have thought with the Chelsea result earlier on in the day, that would have really sort of given Everton a you know a bit of fire to go and get this result. But as I say, just Everton's ability to Everton it has, has undone them once again. And I think with that result, I know Burnley, I'm not sure how many points they are sort of clear of that bottom three, but I think that just, that kind of, for me, takes them just out of, the relegation scrap really because they, they're capable of, of just getting results like this and um, but yeah say Everton I think this this season when it ends I think they'll look back and think do you know what we've really really blown a proper opportunity to get a top four spot here 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on Everton. I mean, obviously I'll laugh at their expense as much as I can, but <laughs> they, they they really have a well-assembled squad. Um, they have obviously a top manager. And of all the seasons that they could have broke into the top four, this was the one to do it, Dave. Yeah, as I said, uh, some of the home games I haven't won in particular. Um, ridiculous, really. I mean, fair play, because Dwight McNeil's goal is the type of goal, if you score in a computer game, you, 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 just, you know, you say, oh, that would never happen. There's no way you could pick <laughs> out that. You could, no way you could pick out that exact spot in the goal. But lovely turn on Alan, who started off brilliantly in Everton, I thought, but he's <laughs> tailed off quite badly. Um, and he was completely done, really, on the turn, but yeah, but Burnley just out of nothing really. They don't really win a lot of away games. Certainly not at the clubs like Everton, but they've now won two games on Merseyside this season. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's annoying from my point of view because I was kind of hoping they were going to stay down there. But as we've said many times, Burnley always always have the ability to scrap points out, don't they? Yeah, I mean, by the time they play next, I mean, depending on other results. They could be up as far as twelfth, you know. It's um, they're they're just that team who get. Whilst they can beat and draw the with the teams around them, they are the team out of all the teams down the bottom that are that seem capable of getting three points against the the big teams. Um, as you mentioned, Dave, that's six points in Merseyside alone this season, um, and realistically, probably wouldn't have expected any when they. You know, map them out. Those are those are almost bonus games, um, and that's where Sir Deitch comes in. Um, Sir Deitch and Sir McNeil um, put, <laughs> put Everton to the to the sword, and um, I'm delighted. Um, I, I mean, on Everton though, just in general, like the how how low down in the, the table do you think finishing where it becomes a, a disappointing season? Obviously, not getting in the top four is not really disappointing on the whole. It's just mainly looking at the season that we're having. But in general, I mean, what what do you reckon Everton's targets should have been this season? I think pretty much any team who's in the in the top half now who doesn't get the European finish will be disappointed because at some point or another they've they've had it in their hands. Maybe with the exception of Arsenal, who've always been playing catch up a little bit. But you look at Villa, Spurs, Everton, Liverpool, West Ham. They have all been in the top four at some point. Some of them have been top of the table at some point. Mm-hmm. I think if, if for, them, for, for them to be in that position and to then not end up with any European football at all would be really disappointing. Maybe not at the start of the season for some of those clubs, but the way it's panned out, um, you'd, be, you'd be very disappointed with the way that the season's gone. We just talk about Everton now, some home results. They miss out by a couple of points, so they can look back and say, oh, you know, if only we'd turned up at home to Fulham, if only we'd turned up at home to Burnley. Yeah. Like, that's going to be hard to take now. <laughs> Fair enough, if it's the Europa League you miss out on, you know, it's not that hard to take, but if they missed out on the Champions League spot because of some of those results, that's uh, a size size. You might never get a better opportunity than that. On the on the Europa League thing, which I'll, I'll bring to both you guys, obviously the, like the teams like Liverpool, um, I'd say Spurs probably could do without it. We mentioned Arsenal. Um, but for a team like yourself, Simon, for Villa, for, for a team <coughs> like Everton, who aren't regulars in Europe, would the Europa be a welcome addition to the fixtures? Or are you almost along the same way? It's just a fixture you could really do without. Uh, from 
my point of view for Villa, I would definitely love it. I'd love to get in there, to be honest. Um, you know, for me, uh, growing up, when I first started going down, we were regularly in Europe, and we haven't. I think our last season we got into Europe was I think 2009-2010 or might have been the one after that so for me yeah I would personally love to see European football back down at Villa Park I know that there's this thing with the Europa League that it can detract from what happens in your league that year but as I say it's been so long and sort of I grew up going I went to some great games uh, over the years at Villa Park in, in the UEFA Cup as it was then so personally, I would love to go back there, but certain teams like Spurs or Liverpool, I could see them thinking we could do without it. But for us, it would be brilliant to get back in there because we're to get Champions League is it would take something very very special to happen. You know, it's not it's not that likely, but the Europa League, if that's the only European competition we can be in, then for me, I don't see why you wouldn't want to be in it. Dave, are you in agreement if it's a team that's not? Not like your regular European slots that get filled, yeah. you know, the Spurs down. Are you in agreement if it was a, a Newcastle up there? Would you would you welcome the Europa League if it meant oh, I mean, a struggle in the league? I absolutely loved our Europa League campaign. It was actually an anniversary a couple of days ago of a, of a win we had. And just being on the ground that night was incredible. And without going on and on about it, we, I think we... We played Benfica in the quarterfinals and we, we ended up losing. Um, we were right in the game and then we went chasing the, what would have been the equaliser on the night. I think would, would have put us through or put in extra time or something, I can't remember. But we went chasing the goal. Benfica got it on the counter-attack in, in injury time. And it was one of those really similar moments where like the whole stadium stood up and applauded because we'd been, you know, we'd had a hell of a journey to get where we'd gone. And it was just like, that was, it was a really proud moment to see the club competing in Europe. Now, forget the fact that we almost got relegated as a result because, again... <laughs> This was the fact that we finished fifth and only signed one player and then didn't have the squad to compete on uh, on several fronts. So I don't necessarily think the Europa League was, was responsible for that. But uh, I think with restrictions lifting things, I think if you get into, into Europe, fans will be flocking to go twice a week, without doubt, because people will be absolutely clamouring for it. Um, I don't know how travel will work. It might not be, might be a few, a few months away yet from being able to do stuff like that. But certainly the home games, I think uh, people will be more than happy to go and watch their club against a European team on a Thursday night again, uh, possibly for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I posed the question to you two specifically because I know I have that. I have the almost like the European snobbery almost um, being being so spoiled really. Um, and most of my time watching Liverpool, so I, I know how much I look down. But um, yeah, so almost a disappointing season the way it's going for Everton for what should have been really. But um, yeah, shame. <laughs> um, <laughs> last for the evening, um, a result that would have been warmly welcome from yourself, Dave. Um, Fulham nil, Man City three. Um, Aguero back on his goals sheet, and um, Pep messing with everybody's fantasy football teams. Um, Standard Pep? Uh, before the game, I was thinking, why Why has he done this? Like In all the games to experiment in with the back three and two strikers. And when it was 0-0 half-time, I thought, oh, you bald fool, why are you doing this now? But anyway, they won 3-0, so it was fine. But um, 
I didn't expect them to not win, but I say the longer it was nil nil and the, the form full of being in, you start to you start to worry. But thankfully, after half time, they, they just went up their up their game and got the early goal. And there it was it was plain sailing. Um, I think Fulham kind of knew they were it's a bit of a free hit for them. This isn't a game that was going to decide how the season went, but again, Man City were as opposed they had one eye on the Champions League this week, but again they've got a two nil lead from from an away leg, so. I'd be very surprised at the blue, but here we go. Yeah, it's, it's Pep in Europe, there's always a chance. Um, John Stones is having a hell of a season, Simon, as you mentioned earlier, um, when you were talking about English centre-backs, but he genuinely has been rejuvenated under Pep this season. Yeah, I mean, I I think like many people assumed that his Man City career was done, probably at the start of the season. Um he seems to, funny enough, I was talking uh, with a mate of mine on the weekend who's always been pro Stones. He, he's always been uh, on the Stones bandwagon. And like, we're kind what of a, saying it. What a, it, what a hill that is to die on, I, by the way. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, like, I think he's, he's one of those, once he makes a decision, he sticks with it no matter what. But um, he seems to have just, he, he's cut out the stupidity. I think we, he's always been a good footballer. But it was he just at times he would just overplay when there was absolutely no need to, and I think um, maybe playing alongside Diaz, who is you know he's a decent player on the ball himself, but he's Diaz seems to be more of a sort of old-fashioned defender. Like if if it needs to go out into Rosehead, it goes out into Rosehead, and I think Stones has become a bit more like that this year. That there's occasions where your only option is to just leather it out. But in the past, he's tried to turn and do something, whereas this year he just hasn't. And as a partnership, the two of them have been great, really. So um, fair, fair play to him, actually, because as I say, I think most people thought his, his Man City career was done and he could have quite easily just thought, oh, do you know what, I'm, not, I'm never going to get back in here. Maybe I'll need to move on. But he's, he's turned it around and, you know, credit where it's true there, to be fair. No full agreement. Um on, on Fulham, Dave, I'll come to you. I mean, no bias here, because I mean, I know you want all teams to success to be successful equally. Um, <laughs> but I mean, leads up on Friday evening. Um, I mean, just just briefly. I mean, how do you see it going? Do you think this result will hamper them mentally in any way after the the good run they've been on, or as you say, is it just a, a purely a free hit because it's Man City? No, I think it's a total free hit for them, and. Uh... <sighs> Leeds, as we've said many times, Leeds is such a difficult team to predict. If they turn it on, you know, they could win quite easily. But if um, if Leeds play anything like they have done recently, where they haven't really scored as many goals as they, ha- as they have done earlier in the season, uh, you do worry that Fulham could, could win this. So it's not the best. I hope Bamford's going to recover. But, uh, <laughs> but I, mean, I suppose what you would say is that Leeds will attack and they will go for it, which... It's kind of what you want. You don't want teams sitting back waiting to be beaten at this stage of the season. So let's uh, let's just wait and see. But it's um, it's kind of pros and cons of being lead to who their opponents. <laughs> well, from the the positive fixture to the the negative one for you then, Dave. Um, Southampton won Brighton two, kicked off the Sunday. Um, <sighs> yeah, just when it's not going for you, it's not going for you. Right, and all of a sudden, remembered how to score a goal. 
I know, and they thoroughly deserved this win as well. Um, even even when well, even when Southampton pulled themselves level, like Brighton, Brighton had played pretty well at that point. Um, which, as we said, they always do, don't they? It's um, it's never a matter of will Brighton play well or not, it's, it's will they score. Um, I suppose if you're trying to put a positive spin on it, it's that Southampton lost and kind of stay in the battle a little bit because. They look, they look like a bit of a shadow of themselves, don't they? They're, um, I know we've, we've laughed and joked about them losing heavily and their fall from grace has been a plummet really, but quite often you get in these plummets and it's very hard to pull yourself out of it, so other than beating Sheffield United, they, they haven't really played very well for a long time now. They're only five points up the road from us, we've got a game in hand. Um, you just don't know, do you? Yeah, it's, it's very tight at the bottom completely. It really, you know, the next two, three games really could shape that bottom. You know, again, if you guys can get, you know, the win on Brighton and take anything from Spurs when you come back, you know, players coming back from fitness. Teams losing players during this time to injury as well. Um, international breaks haven't exactly been great for the Premier League over the years. So, it's, it's you know, it's an interesting few weeks coming up. Um, I mean, Simon, on, on Brighton, um, do we... Dave, close your ears, you don't want to hear this. <laughs> um, do we sense maybe a, a, reju- a rejuvenated confidence almost? You know, getting the goals, getting the win that their plays, you know, generally deserved, as we've, we mentioned seemingly every week. Yeah, I think that that win would be massive for them, confidence-wise. Had they, had they come away not winning again, having playing well, or even, you know, if they'd have lost that, they'd be going into that Newcastle game sort of, I think, quite nervous, because as we saw already said, there's a lot of pressure on that game. It's a big game. So to go into it on the back of a win, coupled with the fact that, as we always say, they do tend to play reasonably well in most games. Um, And with Newcastle, with the players that they've got out, I think they'll go into that probably expecting to win it and oh, you know, I mean Dave won't like to hear this but I suspect he probably feels the same if I had to pick a winner you would you would plump for Brighton um, they're nowhere by no means are they out of it because you know as we've known all season their Achilles heel has tended to be scoring but I think come the as we get towards the end of the season the fact that they do tend to play well and they are you know, and they are playing well at the moment. That should probably serve them well and just about get them enough points to get over the line. But um, yeah, they're still in it. But that was a huge win for them, definitely going into uh, the big game on the weekends. So on Southampton, both of you. Then I mean, where does Southampton go? I mean, we mentioned it a few times, obviously, especially after the the latest nine nil. And obviously they rejuvenated from last year and uh, had a really good season and I think we've spoken about a lot Dave about you know the, the the way he's implemented like the youth set up all the way up so they've got a lot riding and investing on him and he's probably their greatest attribute in a way but it's it's clearly now not working really for them again this season I mean do we do we think that they'll stick by I mean they stuck by on the last time in the slump do they just see this as a slump and that Almost, I know you think it's tight, but do they maybe still see they've they've got enough points to stay safe this season? Give them some money in the summer and and see how next season goes. 
I just think that the type of team we see it every season where there's a team who, who plummets towards the end of the season and maybe they don't get relegated, but you know people go, mm, hang on a minute, look at the, look at their form, and if they don't snap out of it, they all of a sudden they start the next season badly and inevitably either the manager gets sacked or they stick with them and they get mm. relegated. So they've got so many good players, I wouldn't expect it to happen to them, but you just don't know if there's like you know mental scars there have been turned over so heavily twice. Um, I don't know if that's enough. So. It might be one of those where you might get a better a better offer and see it as a way to get out um, before before his, before his reputation is tarnished. But mm-hmm. um, it's a tough one because, as you say, he's he's um, he is the greatest asset really in many ways. Um, I heard he's not want to sign a new contract, which is uh, probably another concern for them. Because all of a sudden, if you take Ings out of that and you maybe have a different manager in there, it doesn't look as great, does it? Yeah, um, a bit promiscuous for, for Southampton. Um, I, I I hope they survive. Um, I hope Ralph stays and they can bring in some players. I have got a little soft spot for Southampton, um, much to the dismay of a few boys <coughs> in our WhatsApp group. Um, but, I mean, they, they, they have been quite entertaining to watch. I, th- I, do, I still think Hasselhoff has done a really good job with them. Um, just not going his way at the moment. Hopefully a bit of investment in the summer um, and see where they go. Um, up next was a complete hiding, shall we say. <laughs> um, Leicester 5, Sheffield United 0. Now again, yes, it's only against any, um, Sheffield United. But any actual scored a hat-trick there? He looked really good at doing it as well. It was... Uh... I mean, Chef United has obviously replaced the manager this week. Um, whether he's been sacked or whether it's mutual consent or have you look at it, it seems like he's fallen out with the board and now he's gone. Now, I'm surprised for a few reasons because, as we said before, I don't, I don't think there's anyone better who could have brought them back potentially next season. Um, they haven't appointed anyone permanently at the minute. They've got Heckenbottom and Tyndall from Bournemouth who have come in to, to do the job. Now, I don't know if they're waiting for someone to become available or what, but how do you follow Chris Wilder in that in that club, having what yeah you know, what he's done for them, not necessarily this season, but but over the time he's been there. And I just worry for them that they're going to end up a bit like Huddersfield, where you know they had they had their Messiah, and once that goes wrong, you know that they're still trying to recover from that, really, and trying to trying to rebuild rebuild themselves. Um, the game itself, they were they kind of hung on until Leicester scored, and then just dropped out completely. Um, there are about two or three games where they've been relegated now, I think. If they're lucky, they might survive Leicester, but <laughs> um, it's, it's no secret that they're, they're gone or going. Um, and what, what's interesting is, is what happens to them next, because they've, they have got basically some championship-level strikers who are more than capable of getting them promoted again. You know, McBurney, probably Brewster, um, even Billy Sharp, he'd be obviously another year older, but... He doesn't. Exist, he's never really a pacey player anyway, was he? So. No, exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's a shame for them because they've been on a hell of a journey. But um, they look like a team that's in need of a break. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's just no hiding place for them at the minute, and they got well and truly turned over by Ian Atchu of all people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's equal to his total goals for Leicester um, <laughs> in previous period. I mean, Simon. I mean, thoughts on the game in general, but. Yeah, just even touch on the, the Sheffield United situation. 
like where you see him going and and any any names that you think would be a good appointment for them? <clears throat> well, for Sheffield, I think that result in a way kind of shows what a decent job Walter was actually doing there. Strangely, I mean, obviously they you know they they've lost an awful lot of games this season, but they've rarely been properly turned over. Most of their defeats is maybe the odd one or two goals, really. But they just they look like the players just look like they gave up, which they haven't looked like they've done this season. I mean, they've they've always put up a fight, but they've just not been good enough. Whereas yesterday, they just didn't even look asked. I think the decision to get rid of him was absolutely crazy. I mean, that squad is basically it's, it's full of Championship and League One players. I'd say maybe with the exception of Sander Berger. I don't know if I'd say there's a Premier League quality player in in that squad. So, just seems really odd. There's obviously something that's is it's not for I think footballing reasons like solely why why Wilder's gone. There's clearly some sort of conflict with him and the owners. Um, as for who could replace them, I honestly don't know because I don't think, even though it's like the championship players, I don't think the squad overall, I wouldn't look at it and say that it's a strong championship team. I mean, this, when they went up on paper, they weren't a particularly strong team, but he just, he got them, he managed to raise the players to play at a level above where they should have been playing at, and it just seems a, a really, really odd, odd decision to have done that. I'm not sure what direction they're looking to go in next season, really. Yeah, on the way other thing, I think the big rumour is the the main sticking point was he didn't want to work under a director or, or technical director or director of football. Um, if he has any ambition to manage at any level of top club, unfortunately that's what he's going to have to do. Like All clubs have them now. So if that's true, it's almost a bit, you know, he's cut off his nose despite his face type, type thing. Um, his record in the transfer window hasn't been great, so it's not like he had that to fall back on if that was his argument. Um, and I think what what's also hampered him and why it's led to even the football side, unfortunately, because they had such a good season last year, um, as much as I agree, Dave, that he's probably the man to get them back up, I mean, his stubbornness to almost change the setup again when he didn't have his players, you know, around this, you know, the unique setup that they had trained for... Um, but because they had done so well, and then to be sitting where they are, I think there's such a culture shock in a club who, you know, have have reached such highs to then such so low lows. I think it's always going to be a struggle for them. Um, I, what I don't understand is even the, the 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 leaving on mutual consent. Why they didn't have anybody in place, you know? Like I know they weren't again no manager's going to save them this season. But surely if they had a manager in mind that they would get them in as quick as they can to even work with the players. We mentioned Scott Parker last week um, getting to, you know, do the end of the season and getting a, quite a good run in um, towards the end. So surely it would have the same benefit this season for Sheffield United. Well, I just don't see the point in, in what they've done and the point in, you know, <coughs> Essentially, like a team of caretakers who, yeah. if you're a player, you go, well, I can be here next season. No. So, like, what's the point? I'm going to have to prove myself all over again anyway if, if when someone new comes in. So, 
I think uh, it's just a it's a total white flag, isn't it? For me, I just think it's it's really stupid. Have, yeah. have they have they got a uh, director of football in place, or is it that they're planning to get one in? I don't think they've got one yet, but I think they're planning on it. Um, maybe, maybe that might be why they haven't had yeah. someone lined up because they want to bring the two people in together who know exactly what the situation is going to be. Possibly, but even then, if, if they want to bring two in together, even then, that's probably that's where the negative side of it comes in because you don't want somebody who's too close. You almost want somebody who's strong enough. You know, yeah. If you bring in a, a managing director, a technical director, or that in who's friends with the manager, then he's just signing the players that the manager wants anyway. Um, I think it's as I say, like to sack him now, if it was a sacking, it would just be silly. I mean, you've gone this far. Um, I think he probably was the best option, Dave, more than anything, to bring them back up. If it is the stubbornness to work with a director of football or technical director, whatever title the club wants to give it, I think that's a bit naive on his part because you would like to think he has higher expectations in his career than a Sheffield United, whether he's good enough or not. Um, certain ex post contributors thought he was good enough for Arsenal at one time or another. <laughs> um, and every club's got them. Um, you know, nobody really gets free reign anymore. That that type of football's gone. So we'll see. We'll see where they go. Um, I hate watching this game. Um, North London derby <laughs> um, up next. Uh, talking points: Eric Lamella, well, nice little Rabona goal. Uh, Martin Odegaard scoring in his first North London derby. Lacazette penalty. Harry Kane should have been sent off. Um, what have I missed, Simon? Um. I don't know. Uh, another poor Gareth Bale display. I mean, maybe we went a bit overboard because he destroyed Burnley and Palace in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, to be fair, that that was a, a concern. I, I think we did actually say that. It, you know, obviously he was looking good, but you had to caveat with the opposition. Um, but then, you know, I think Mourinho has to take a, a lot of blame as well. I, I think we were all fairly convinced he was going to default to classic Jose mode and and that's exactly what he did I mean Spurs were so so poor and so disappointing um, I mean I suppose you could credit Arsenal because they they did play quite well and they, they controlled the bulk of the game but then even having said that and I say this with them deserving to win the two goals that they scored you know, they weren't great. It was a deflection and a, a highly disputed penalty. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a strange game, really. I, I kind of, I, I expected more of it purely because of Tottenham's last few results. But even if I've actually thought about it properly, I should have known exactly what Jose was going to do. And it just completely backfired. It, it worked in the reverse fixture to perfection. It did not work at all, and um, yeah, disappointing. But having said that, we were treated to an absolutely fantastic goal from Lamella. I mean, when I watched it, I was watching it, and I, I couldn't believe it. I was watching my mum and dad, and they, I, I knew that they hadn't quite seen what had happened, because they were going, oh, what are you so excited? It's a nice goal. And I was like, wait until the replay, wait till you see what he's done. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was special, wasn't it? 
He's done it before as well, hasn't he? He did it in the Europa League, I remember, a few years ago. Um, he did, yeah. It's just a shame he's got the arsehole gene, isn't it? Because then he obviously <laughs> ended, up getting, ended up getting sent off. So, um, But yeah, incredible bit of skill, bit of imagination. Um, can I ask your two opinion on the penalty? Because I don't understand all these all these Spurs people who are saying it's not a penalty. Like It's one of the most blatant penalties I've seen for a long time. I don't understand why there's any debate about it. I have gone back and forth on it so many times. When I first watched it, I was with you. I thought it's, it's a clear penalty. The more I kind of see it, I'm, I really don't know what to make of it. Where, where I think Tottenham's arguments, what really pisses me off is when people say he's already got the shot away. So, so, you know, it hasn't affected that. That absolutely does my head in because mm. If a defender launches a ball up the pitch and then a striker smashes into him, you get a free kick. You don't say, well, well, he's cleared the ball, so it doesn't matter. And time and time again, you see strikers, they'll get a shot away. And after the shot's gone away, they get absolutely cutters. And for me, they should be given us penalties. So part of me was like, yeah, it was a pen because he's, you know, it doesn't matter that the shot's gone away. He's caught him. The more I kind of look at it, the more I think, well, is, has he caught him or has Lacazette's follow-through kicked into him and then he's just made a bit of a meal out of it? Because, I mean, even Lacazette said he thought he was lucky that they got it. So I'm, I'm really undecided. That's what I think about it. Uh, I'm with you, Dave. Um, I've just managed to watch it on YouTube there while Simon was talking. Um, this whole... I don't get this whole coming together not being a foul as well, just in general. Um, it's happened a few times in the last few weeks that I've just, I just don't understand how people can go against it. Like Lacazette, has hit, yes, he's hit his shot, but and even if he's followed through into the defender, why is the defender there technically? He's then well, fouled to be he's, there. He's trying to block it. Had Lacazette caught it properly, he'd have probably blocked the shots. Would he though? Because he's not. I think he would though. He's not thrown himself in front of Lacazette, like, you know, like, clear in front with the ball. He catches Lacazette halfway up his leg. You know, it's not like he's caught him in the bottom of his foot and thrown it through. I still would have believed it would have been a penalty regardless. But he's caught him, like, I'm trying to describe it, obviously, mm. visual here. But, yeah, for me, it's for me it's a penalty. Like, I, I don't get the, the argument. I... Dave, the same as you, I'd heard, seen loads of like Spurs fans um, talking about it online and even talking about how the, the league couldn't overturn it, I, I, which I didn't understand either. I thought that was the whole point of a VAR. Um, <laughs> well, the reason for that is that they just they don't think it's a clear and obvious error. It's, right. I think it's one of those where if they hadn't given it, would they have overturned it? Probably not. But uh, to me, it's, I, I think you touched on earlier, Si, where like, if that happens in the middle of the pitch, it gets given as a free kick, so I don't see why it's any. I don't yeah. see why it's any difference in the box. And uh, for all like I said, shanked his shot. What if he'd you know flicked the ball over Sanchez, who'd gone in for the slide tackle to block what he thought was going to be a shot? You know, it's exactly the same theory. Mm. Um, he still didn't get the ball. He still wiped him out. Um, I just so think one, the one David Luiz did maybe about two, three weeks back when he just ran into the player from behind. Mm. And the player kicked him when he was running through. And people, people's argument is, what's he meant to do? Get out of the way? No, well, yeah, in a way. Yeah. You know, you're not meant to run into the back of players. He's not going to win the ball doing that. 
And it was the same, like, once you throw yourself um, in the box like that, like, forget about being a free kick anywhere on the pitch. Once you throw your body like that, you, you're not in control. <coughs> so, so you're even giving a referee the decision to make. Yeah, I, th- I think on that point, um, I've seen uh, certainly quite a bit over the last few weeks, whenever Carragher's been doing the Monday Night Football, the amount of times he said, you know, what I'd say to defenders now, when you're in the box, just don't slide. And, you know, rather than try and make a tackle, you've just got to try and block, you know, it, especially with, with VAR now that if you're, if you're in that situation where you're having to make a last-ditch challenge, it's because you've done something wrong and you're panicking, aren't you? I I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm as I say, I'm with Dave on that one completely. Again, I I don't know as much as I think it's a clear penalty. I don't know about you, Dave. I don't know how outraged I would be if it wasn't given either. I think if it wasn't given, you'd say, "Well, I wish he hadn't made such a tit of that shot." Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's no argument from me. Um, well, I mean, why we're talking about contentious decisions? Shall we um, bring up Sir Harry Kane? You know, England's golden boy. Um, got away with one here, didn't he? Which one is it? Sorry, I, I, I must have thought so much of this incident. I don't remember it. Oh, the the elbow. The on elbow. Gabriel. Ah, oh, yes, on the like the touchline almost. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, probably by the of the law, yes, but. I think that with these ones, there's always a an element of doubt about whether he's meant it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Gary Lineker there, Dave. <laughs> I know, but I've watched Alan Shearer do it for years. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point, uh, yes. That, you're, you're conditioned to think that should have been a foul the other way. Well, England's like so allowed. When, when, <laughs> when Neil Lennon had butted his, uh, his foot all those years ago, that, 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 changed, that changed the rule book for me. So. <laughs> Um, I mean, Simon, you mentioned Gareth Bale at the top about having a bad game. Um, mm. He wasn't the only one. Yes, he had a bad game, but again, playing devil's advocate, we did mention that it's funny that he's playing well in the games that Josie's setting Spurs up to attack. Um, obviously, Sun going off injured early kind of hampers any Spurs plans anyway, but I mean, do you think this has any kind of side effects on Gareth Bale's performance as well or is this just uh, you kind of blinkered because I'm a Gareth Bale fan almost I don't know I mean I think it's, it was strange the way Spurs actually played considering the players they because they still has Bale, Mora, Son and Kane on so they had those attacking players there but just didn't didn't seem to have any sort of proper attacking plan. Now, whether that was because Arsenal sort of dominated the ball so much that they just couldn't get into it. But, um, and obviously Song going off didn't help, but they're still bringing on an attacking play in Lamella. Um, I think what was quite telling was, I don't know if you saw Mourinho's interview afterwards, where I can't remember the exact phrase he used. I'm not sure if he said scared or frightened, but he... He made sort of um, an insinuation about some forward players basically um, being too scared in the game, and it seemed to be quite a pointed comment at Bale because he took him off after like 55 minutes, and he he didn't look happy coming off the pitch as well. To be 
I can tell you. But um, yeah, I, th- I think that'll be an interesting one because obviously, you know, a few weeks ago it looked like their relationship had completely gone. In the last few weeks, he got a run of games and was doing well, admittedly, against not the best opposition. But, um, yeah, to bring him off so early in the game like this and then to make those type of comments would suggest that all is not as rosy as it appears over the last couple of weeks there. Yeah, Dave, thoughts on the sports setup and yeah, and the Garafield? I was, I was surprised when he played the sort of the front four, which he'd stuck with for a long time. Um, in, in the games against, you know, your Burnies and Palaces and teams who you expect to beat, but it's been typical of Jose to sort of not do that in these sorts of games, but he kind of left the attacking lineup without the, the, the tactics to go with it, so <laughs> they, just got, they just got outplayed, really. Um, I didn't, obviously, as I suppose, didn't play well, there was a number of players didn't play well. Um, Lamella getting sent off pretty much killed the game from that point on. I know Kane at the post with a free kick in, in was it injury time or more or less injury time, but yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so other than that, it didn't really look like we were in that level. And um, I think from Arsenal's point of view, it's a huge result because I think a lot of us saw the team news with Aubameyang ruled out, well not ruled out, but on the bench because of disciplinary reasons, and you thought. God, like <laughs> that plus Spurs' form equals could be a, could be a long afternoon for them. But we've said this a few times. Arsenal seem to have this squad now where without a star man they're actually better, um, and it's it's been less of a problem since they moved Aubameyang up front because it's meant that they've had this unit behind a really good striker and it's been great. Um, and it turned out that you know taking that Aubameyang out, but like I said, in didn't really matter that much because the the, the unit behind them was was still pretty strong. So um, I do think it's slow slow steps for Arteta. I think he is getting there. I know we've talked before about him being a bit of a, a bit of a lunatic with some of the things he says, but I I, I can see what he's heading for. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. I hope they are patient with him if they're going to stick with him. But I think he is getting there slowly. Yeah, um, he's he's done well in the last month, six weeks maybe, to get back in the top half of the table. Uh, still in Europe, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they won yeah. away as well. So no reason why they won't be the last day for that. And when you think he's bought on, you know, Saka when he's fit looks like a, you know a, a really really top player. Um, yeah. Smith Rose not far behind. I think he, he was looking up to score. A lovely bit of skill and the shot hit the bar. Mm. Um, and the add to that, you know, Tierney, um, who I think is probably one of the best fullbacks in the division. Um, Party is only going to get better and better the more he plays in that in that holding role. Um, so they've got the crux of a, a you know a really a really decent team there. Um, a few additions in the summer. I mean, I think they'd love to keep Odegaard for at least another year, if not longer, because I think he gives them something they didn't really have before. Um, so yeah, they're heading in the right direction. Now it's Arsenal, so we've seen too many times they have these steps forward and then they yeah. something ridiculous happens. Normally involving David Louise and they end up worse <laughs> off. But but um, for now, it all looks like it's heading in the right direction for them. You mentioned Louise there. I think that the biggest thing for me, if I was him in the summer to be to address, would be that defence because, as you say, there seems to be the germ of something quite good going forward. But but their back four is. It's average, isn't it? At best, really, at Premier League level. So, 
that needs addressing. I mean, with the exception of Tierney, I say that. So if they can sort that centre back partnership out, then they could push a bit further at the table next year. I think Gabriel's a, a really good defender. I, I just think he's brought down by by Louise, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> And Cedric Suarez again isn't a, a right back who you want if you're if you've got high ambitions. Um, but if I'm if I'm Arsenal, I'm making Kieran Tierney captain now, um, offering him a new contract because he's by far head and shoulders the best defender they have. Um, mm. You've said Dave that he's one of the best fullbacks in the league. I think he has been the best fullback in the league this season. Um, consistent level when he's played. I think the only thing that you could maybe argue against is he's obviously had a few injuries, so he's missed quite a few games, but he genuinely has been imperious when he plays. Um, so vocal, such a leader, and and it's what Arsenal has missed for, for years. Um, again, maybe the Scottish and Celtic bias here, but <laughs> I, I just I honestly think he's phenomenal. He's just a, just a natural leader, and he's just really like adjusted well to the Premier League. Um, so well um, but yeah well that's the, the end of the, the North London Derby for the season um, we'll come on to a game which I thought was going to be really really good <laughs> um, by god did this let me down um, a Craig Dawson on goal wins it for Man United um, just not how I imagined that was going to go but Man United back up to second in the league Dev yeah, yeah. Moyes, Moyes blew it again, didn't he? It was pretty much a rerun of the Liverpool game, um, yep. where he had this perfect opportunity against a Man United team that was missing quite a few of the, you know, missing Martial and Cavani, and I think Rashford was fully fit, but um, they had a great opportunity to to really stick the boot in and, and make make a claim for that top four spot, but barely showed up again. Um, so a little lack of ambition. Kind of wait until went behind before having any sort of go, but again, it was all hopeful balls in the box, hoping Sujek can get a knockdown, that kind of thing. It's just again standard boys. It's um, it's why he'll never be a top top, you know, top four manager. Um, he just doesn't have what it takes to beat the best teams. I don't think. Um, not consistent enough anyway. Uh, if they'd won this, they'd have been level with Chelsea on in fourth, which would have been a hell of a result for them. But instead, they're fifth. Um, ten games to go. I think they'd love to finish fifth, but I, I don't think they will. I think they'll end up finishing probably below Liverpool and in that scrap for the, the sixth and seventh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, can't disagree with anything you just said there. I mean, Simon, thoughts on this? And um, yeah, where do West Ham go from here? Uh, the game, I I really didn't enjoy this game. <laughs> I was I was surprised you thought it was going to be good because any game with Man U is just boring this season for me. <laughs> um, West Ham, I think they've got it spot on. Really, it's another opportunity that that they've blown. Really, um, I mean it's okay. United, as I say, I, I don't enjoy watching them, but they seem to get results most weeks. So it's a difficult place to go and get a win, but they. As you say, they just didn't even really have a proper go. Um, just disappointing to watch. Uh, where do I think they'll finish the season? Um, I agree with what Dave said, and that I don't, I don't see them finishing as high as they are at the moment. They've had a really good season, and they, you know, they have got some really good results. But I just think 
ultimately over the course of the season, the quality of the squads tells and as well as they've done and as good as their first 11 have been, I just don't think they've got the depth to really sustain this push. They might still get Europa League football because depending on who wins um, the domestic tournament, seventh could get you that and I wouldn't be surprised if they finished there. So I think they can be pleased with the season overall, but again, they'll, they'll, they'll just look at that as, well, they should look at that as a, a bit of an opportunity miss to have gone and, and really got a result and, and put pressure on the teams above them. Yeah, I mean, a win there and then still had a game in hand. They could have been three points ahead of Chelsea. Um, they've had things gone their way. Um, now instead, they're, they're only two points ahead of Liverpool, but game in hand still. Um, yeah, it could be, unfortunately, I agree with you, Dave. This is where Moyes will falter, and it's why this is the level Moyes is at. That say eighth to fifth place team, that's where he belongs. Almost he he just doesn't have the almost like a killer instinct. Um, he kind of results back to himself. It's, it's, he was just yeah. too scared, too scared of getting beat. Yeah, heavily. and I know obviously there's always a chance of that, but you've got to. Trust yourself when you're fifth in the table, like against a depleted team who aren't that good at home. I think you'll look back at this again and just think, why didn't I go for a bit more? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean that's almost six points thrown away against whilst being two big teams, but easily winnable games, especially the way West Ham had played. Um, as for United, I mean just another three points that I'd say all but secures them top four. I mean. I know there's still plenty of games to go, but I surely none of the three others can see them dropping out the top four now. Nah. I mean, they, they'll do what they've done all season. They they weren't particularly excited, but they'll just pick up quite a few wins over their remaining nine games, I think, they've got. So, yeah, the top four, I think they'll comfortably finish in that. Yeah, Dave, agree? Uh, yeah, oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Well, last game of the weekend was this evening, um, which was 120 minutes long, unfortunately, due to a, to an injury to the keeper uh, for Wolves. Um, a very trudged 1-0 win, um, in which Wolves can feel aggrieved, maybe not to have had a penalty in the first half. Um, probably should have scored just before or just after it, I can't remember. Um, goalkeeper probably should have saved Jota's goal. Um, and that's about all I can really think of in the game, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I mean, Simon, I'll come to you, Mr. Um, to be fair, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what more I can add. I thought Wolves, but they they did all right in patches in the first half. Um, Alisson looked a bit nervous at times, and I thought they could have possibly done more to try and capitalise on that, but. Um, you know, as we've sort of said for the last few weeks now, they don't have that presence up front uh, without Jimenez, that William Jose. I, I've seen him a few times now, and he just he just does not look suited to this league at all. Um, doesn't really offer them an awful lot. I thought Silver when he came on, a couple of nice touches. I mean, there's a talented player there, but he's still. I think this is probably a season too soon for him. Really, maybe in the next year or two, you'll see the better of him. Um, for Liverpool, a uh, really big result, really, especially considering how the teams around them, like Spurs and Everton and um, West Ham, obviously got on this weekend. Um, 
yeah, it was quite important for them to to get that result. And I mean, I still what looking at it now, what they're five points outside the top four. So yeah. I mean, that's that's not that big a gap, really. I mean, I know okay, there's there's not loads of games to play, but there's still enough that that they could still make that back up. Um, they look a lot better having two centre-backs actually playing at centre-back, allowing Fabinho back into the midfield. And I think with Jota back now, I mean, as you say, should have been saved, really, but he does add a, a dimension that's been missing, certainly, for the last couple of months in that front three. So I think yeah, they'll be relatively pleased with, with how the whole weekend's gone, really, with, with their results and the ones around them. Yeah, Quebec and Phillips, the most successful partnership Liverpool have had this season. No <laughs> goals conceded when they've played together. Um, I mean, I will say that Manny went round the goalkeeper and should have scored. Um, arguably could have went down. Um, or arguably should have went down when he went round them, but tried to stay on his feet. Uh, Salah had a goal disallowed. But offside. I thought Quebec was excellent the whole game. 20-year-old. Um but I think the, the most important thing, as you said, Simon, and we've highlighted that a few times, Dave, is, I mean, Fabinho being back in the middle of the park, just, there's just that bit of assurance there, you know, you just feel that bit of safety in it. He looks a lot more solid, I would have said. Um, and I think it obviously helped the two centre-backs as well, having, you know, some help in front of them. I thought both centre-halves were, were very, very good. Um, Wolves, other than that early flurry, were kind of at arm's length. I think Allison had a couple of sort of punches and flaps at crosses, which caused a lot of excitement. But uh, I think uh, it was it's it's a, it's brilliant Liverpool. This is exactly what they needed: a win, a clean sheet, and they'll probably got to draw a line in the sand now and say, all right, let's let's use this as the benchmark and let's go from here. Because your, your end of season running is actually not bad at all. You've played a lot of tough teams recently. Only uh, Man United in the top five. Ahead of us to play. That's it. Yeah, well, that's it. If you can get your shit together for a couple of couple of months, you, you know, there's no there's no reason why you won't finish in the top four. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not saying anything like that. But I'll leave that. <laughs> <to you. laughs> uh, what was really positive was was Ox came on for the last 15 20 minutes and maybe gave his most po- positive contributions that he's made in a while. Um, and at this time of the season, um, that could be crucial. Because bear in mind, the other substitute at the time was 965-year-old James Milner, um, <laughs> and I love I love Milner bits, but again, he's he's not that game-changing substitute you need um, when things are going wrong. Um, but no, it's I think you summed up best, Dave. That it's a massive result, and one was much needed, especially after the two European games. Just almost that bit of belief back. Um, and more so in the, the two young centre halves as well. You know, another running, you know, another clean sheet. As I said, uh, ninety minutes playing together. I would imagine if we play against a, a higher calibre opposition, I fear we might see Fabinho resorted back to centre back, which would be stupid in a way. But I don't know. I can feel him trying to go down the safety route back. Um, as for Wills. I've seen a stat tonight. Adama Traore has created 39 chances this season with zero assists. And zero goals as well for him. 
If you put him in Brighton's team, do you think that would be like two negatives make a positive, where <laughs> where he makes like a hundred chances a match, and it's just Neil Mope skewing them wide over and over again? Well, on on, on Truly, like, I I really don't think he's a winger. I think that's the problem. They don't know what to do with him. They've, yeah. they've played on both sides. Um, they've played him. I think they've tried him through the middle. Um, but it's how do you get the best album? It, it seems to be the impossible task. <laughs> I, t- I just don't think he's a footballer. I think he's a sprinter. He's <laughs> found his way onto the football pitch. I mean, I, I've said it before. He he was at Villa a few years ago, and okay, he, he was very young then. So you can maybe sort of say have that in his credit that he was a bit raw in experience. But all you saw there is exactly the player you see now: powerful, mm. rapid. But there's no end product, and bar one season at Middlesbrough in the Championship, I haven't seen that change at all. There's just never anything from him. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't argue against you. The, the numbers speak for themselves. The, the numbers aren't great. Um, I do think he's he's massive for a team in the situation that Wolves are in. Because he can create something out of nothing just when you least expect it. It's one of those players you never really, even if he's having a poor game, you don't want to take off, Dave. Um, I mean, so yeah, on. Well, that's it. I mean, I think they've used him as like an impact sub as well, haven't they? And it, it, it's like that old, you know, against tired legs. Can he can he do yeah. it? It's the same end result, isn't it? He's too, <laughs> too, he's, he's too quick for everybody else around him. So. On Wolves in general, I mean. They're safe mid table. Um, not so much for where they'll finish, but what what do we imagine Wolves' plan going forward is like for for the summer and and going forward? Do do we think Nuno's still there? Do we think they're happy with the way things are? I mean, they came into the league with such high expectations, if you remember. Pretty sure they were claiming they're going to be in the Champions League. Well, I could go on a limb here and say they're going to buy some Portuguese players. <laughs> Uh, I think Nuno's pretty much got a job there for life if he wants it. Like, yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's um, it's almost the ideal setup for him, isn't it? Yeah, fair. Simon, are you pretty much just one of the? Yeah, I, I think I think they they'll probably they'll be disappointed with how the season's gone, but they'll point to the injury to Jimenez. I mean, that's just had such a massive effect on them. Whether they'd have been doing much, much better. No one really knows, but I don't think you can um, underestimate just how much that has affected them because that's, he was their main source of goals, coupled with losing Jota as well and, and not really replacing him. So if they get him and his back and make a couple of clever signings in the summer, they they could do better next season. But um, yeah, they probably a bit of thinking to do at, at the club there. But I, in terms of Nuno, I, if he wants to stay there, I suspect he'll still be there. No, fair. Um, I'd imagine if, if Jimenez was playing, that uh, Adama Traore would have more than zero assists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that takes us to the end of the games for the weekend. Um, so we'll come on to everybody's uh, least favourite part <laughs> of the show. We have the Ben Corner. Um, yeah, last week was a, was a week. Um, Dave, <laughs> two out of four for yourself. As many as two. Everton, 
let you down. Chelsea let you down. Well, Leicester and Norwich getting the wins yesterday for yourself. Simon, two out of four. Everton letting you down. Palace drawing was a, a was a letdown. And Norwich and Bristol City with the wins. Um, yeah, zero out of four for me. We'll not, we'll not even go through them. <laughs> Every single one was a letdown. So, Dave, for week four, sitting at minus £30, what is your games for this week? All right, so I've dropped down at the Championship because there's too many FA Cup and nonsense this week. So we've gone for Championship trouble, and we've gone for Barnsley to be Sheffield. Mm-hmm. We've gone for Norwich to be Blackburn, and we've gone for Watford to beat Birmingham. And your returns? Uh, so that is 3.32 to 1, which returns £43.15. Dave, break even. And Simon, for yourself? Well, true to form, once again, I've picked a couple of results exactly the same as Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I've also gone for Norwich to beat Blackburn. Uh I've also gone for Watford to beat Birmingham. Yeah. I've gone for Swansea and Cardiff to draw. Mm-hmm. And I've gone, sorry Dave, I've gone for Brighton to beat Newcastle. Oh, safe bet. Argument, <laughs> <laughs> and your return, Simon? Uh, £135.30. Oh. But a bit, a bit, a bit more safer than, than last week's one. Yeah. <laughs> so for myself, just to, to make the treble up, I have also gone for Norwich, but I have gone for more than 1.5 goals in the game rather than the result itself. I have gone okay. for the Fleetwood game to be a both teams to score. And then I have gambled on Portsmouth sacking their manager, Portsmouth to get the win and Motherwell to get the win. And that will return £126.04. Well, well, well. So, <laughs> tune in next week to find us all on minus £40. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, don't follow our bets. As always, if you're taking part, tweet us in your bets and we will um, retweet everyone that comes in and see how you're getting on, um, because we suck. So, if you have any advice for the following week... Um, just hit us up and we'll probably not take it, but at least we're interacting. <laughs> well, chaps, that's the, the end of another weekend. Uh, Dave, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you and your work? Yeah, so uh, Twitter is CM9798. Uh, the website is CM9798.co.uk. And over on um, champmanfans.co.uk this week, it's... CM0304 week with our own Ross is doing a save with Leeds, trying to rewrite that particular season where Leeds were relegated. <laughs> oh, excellent. I'm sure you'll have great fun doing that one. Um, Simon, for yourself. Uh, yes, yeah, so on Twitter at Sire Regan. And if you want me to hear me talking about more about Aston Villa, the Holtcast pag- uh, podcast or 7500 to Holt, uh, the website. And we are man at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, give us a, a like, share, retweet, a five-star rating and review on Apple. Um, anything you can to interact and share us about, please just do what you can. We have 
the weekend review show, obviously, which you're listening to, that comes out every Monday or Tuesday, depending on the weekend results. We'll have 11 Pieces of Me every Thursday morning. Uh, this week's is Dave Hendrick, and I believe, Simon, officially, this is yours coming this week. Finally. Uh, yes. Again, don't take my word, but I believe that is what I'm told. And I will shout them this week, because now that they have proven that they do listen to the show, we have Chris and the gang out every Friday morning as they talk about all the... U- I say European leagues, but Chris seems to like the Japanese Champions League as well. So they cover football <laughs> from throughout the world. Um, usually Chris, Emma, Jesse and Adam. Um, so well worth a listen. We thank you for listening. And I thank you two gentlemen, as always, for joining me. Thank you. Cheers, Ali. And always remember to keep your man in the post.